0: Acts chapter 8, beginning of verse 26, through verse 40, I don't think we'll cover all this this morning, so I'll put part 1 in, but if we'll see if we get through part 1, there will not be a part 2. Let's read together, and by the way, my wife sends her greetings and thank yous and blessings, and I think I've gained about 10 pounds since she's been sick since Monday, so uh, her cancer treatment went well, her doctor's been fantastic, her nurses have been excellent, and I can Usually you hear uh, good and bad things about Aiken Hospital sometimes, you know, people at the rumor mill goes. We've had nothing but excellent service at that hospital and believe that she's cured from surgery, not just uh, from the radiation. She would have to take that. I believe she's cured from the surgery. And I believe she's cured from the prayers that God's people's offered and just the enormous amount of um, love we've received. Now, I tell you, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to hear about Scott. But if you look at me as a man, I'm really... Uh, down this morning to preach because you got the news about george george has been here this in two sundays i'll be here 11 years if i make it two sundays right if i don't get kicked out or die between now and two sundays i'll be uh serving this church 11 years george has been through the woods with me he's been through the fire with me uh he's in the he's been at the midnight oil uh how and where are we going to get this done we pray through how we're going to pay the debt how we're going to this sound system. The sound system in the middle of debt was $250,000. Lord, where are we going to get the money for, from? Because you couldn't hear it. Y'all know how fast I speak. And y'all know how I mumble because I'm from Pauline, South Carolina, right? All of us mumble like this from Pauline. Listen to my brother. My mother's more articulate than me, but my sister's the same way. We, we cut words. and uh, Sometimes I preach half the message I'm going to preach because I will just cut all the words off and let you figure it out. That's just where we're from. It's who we are. We're like a uh uh upstate Cajuns, I guess sometimes uh, because we uh we just we we make up words and cut words, but I want you to understand something where we come from we 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 come to the place of actually taking God's word and hearing it today and going, you know uh God, you've done so many different things. This church has stepped up and I look back at the past the last eleven years and I'm not reflecting today because this message ties directly into where our journey's been at Town Creek Baptist Church at least for the last 160 years. You know, this is our 160th year. This church has seen every war for 160 years. You think about what this church has been through. Uh, COVID-19 is a small French fry in the happy meal of our church, right? It, it, it's a big pandemic, but has this church been through that before? How many wars has this church been through and how many difficulties have we been through? And even when I got here, just before I got here, the bank was recalling this property. Did y'all know that? The church was ready to go into foreclosure uh, because of some financial uh, Missteps, misdeeds, and lack of money that came in. It was a hard time when I got here. It was a difficult time. People had their full estates assigned. At least 19 people in this church had their full homes, all their retirement, all of their personal, if you will, finances tied up in this church. They had dedicated themselves to the point that they believed in the mission of the Church of God, at 250 Town Creek Road, that they signed a dotted line. Not only could this property, by the way, this property was worth then, Ten plus million dollars. It's 28 acres, 63,000 square feet. It was new at the time. But people in this church signed another document saying not only can you have the church property, not only can you have the property down the street, and it's insured for about a million and a half, but you can also have my personal property. That's how much I believe in Town Creek Baptist Church and the work that God's doing. Now, those people are sitting around you this morning. Some of them are. Some of them are not here any longer. But those people are sitting around you, and you don't even know who they are unless you're one of them or you know the, the people that were on that list. When I first got here as a pastor, I had to sit in the opposite room and wait for the banker, when we refinanced, to let the banker go in one at a time with those families and sign their, their livelihood once again away. They were dependent on God's people to do what God's people said they were going to do, right? Fulfill the Great Commission, right? It made me sick to my stomach that I'm sitting in my office, and my office used to be down in the kindergarten room. Uh, that's when there was be an office there. And, uh, the walls in there, and, and I sit there and I watch one person at a time. I couldn't be in the room, but I watch one person at a time, or couples, go in and sit with the banker and sign their livelihood away. It, it, it was mind boggling. These people were committed. Well, then I said, Lord, you've got to do something. We have to come to the place where, I mean, we've got to release those people. It should be all of us bearing the burden, not one of us, or not just some of us. Would you agree? You ever been out to eat, somebody buys your lunch? And they buy your lunch again the next time you go out to eat? What happens to you when you go out again for the third time? What do you feel? Well, I feel an obligation that I need to buy your lunch. I need to, you bought mine twice. And, and so as God's people, we bear the burden. Some can give a dollar, and some can give much more than a dollar. But since I've been here, I saw that, and I said, God, you got to find a way. And I told George. George was a, our finance uh, uh, minister at the time. And I said, George, go find a way. I heard North American Mission Board has $15 million that they would loan to church starts for crying in a bucket. Surely they'll give a church our size a loan for us. Then it was a million, or almost two million, somewhere around there. A million eight something. And guess what happened? He called them. He said, they're not going to loan it to us. We're an established church. I said, call them anyway. So he called them. And sh- sure enough, George worked the deal with. The man was coming to town. And he come by here. And at that same time, a storm hit our uh, building. If it comes across that drainage, that pond down there, there's going to be a bad storm. We've always seen that. Hell... Damage and wind damage, and it tore the shingles off the roof. It just tore right up through the middle there, like a mini hurricane. Do y'all remember? Anybody remember that? We have pictures of it. Martin was taking pictures as it was coming, um, and we like, oh my goodness, how much is that going to cost? And it was, guess how much the roof costs for this building and the building on the street? It's in the middle of debt, three hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, God, this is what are you What are you doing to me? I got these people signed up that they're in debt because the church is in debt. I I couldn't even write that many zeros. I had to write it backwards, right? I had to do my three, comma, three, comma, three, back up and find out how much money that is to write a check. The man come by and said, well, how much is the, what's the loan? The, the loan, I think it was at the time, was a million, five, and then the, the $300,000. And he goes, the insurance guy came out and said, you're going to pay a portion of your insurance, not all of it. We won't re-roof all of it. And the, the banker came out from North American Commission Board. He was a retired banker from Texas, just joined the North American Mission Board. He said, hey, this is a property is worth a lot of money. I already tell you now, I'll, I'll guarantee the loan. We'll get you the loan. And we told him about the roof, and he goes, I can't help you with the roof. Long story short, he sends us the money, and he sends us a check for whatever the one-eighth, what we have now. And I said, hey, I called him, and George and I were sitting on the conference call with him. He said, you give us $300,000 too much money. He goes, oh, my goodness. And he sent the check to us to pay off our debt, which is not normal either. He said, well, uh, I don't want to reissue another check. Didn't you have something that was going to cost $300,000? I said, yeah, a new roof. He said, just, just supply it to the roof. So he actually did a finite refinance with us and gave us additional in the, the original loan. God provided for the sound system. We paid for this in a year. In 52 days, God completed this sound system work. $250,000 we paid for it one year on top of the other debt. I was preaching through Nehemiah at the time. Never, I wasn't smart enough to figure out that Nehemiah was, as I was preaching through Nehemiah, I get to the where the... This is what's rebuilding the wall. And guess how many days it took them to rebuild the wall? 52 days. We were finished in here in 52 days. All this acoustics, all that acoustics up there, all the sound, all the wires, cabling, all the screens, everything. In 52 days, we were finished. And I was so nervous because I was know what I was going to preach the next day. I asked, and this is my failure as a leader, I asked the, ma- the uh, workers, could they stay one more week? Because I thought the church members surely would have thought that I set it up that they would be finished in 52 days by the time I was preaching on 52 days. I didn't have the faith to believe that God would tie that in, and I said, would y'all stay and just clean up, spend another week here, because that way it would take 56 days to finish, and it won't be so obvious. I lacked faith. I didn't even tell the church. Some of you, that's the first time you've heard that from me. But God finished in 52 days, same time that they actually rebuilt the wall in 52 days. God did some miraculous work. Why do you say, why do you tell us that? Well, look at this. Open for the Spirit's leading today. Philip's coming up to the place that he's coming to a place that God's, remember, he's called him. He's been set apart by the church. He was one of God's chosen. He was one of the original seven deacons because he was full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And he got involved. The disciples said, hey, we're not going to get involved in the food fight at church. The Greeks are saying, you're not feeding our widows. The Jews said, listen, we're feeding. And there was a food fight at church. Philip's one of those seven men that stepped in and administrated or, if you will, serve the church so that he could actually... There would be peace in the church of God. So Philip was a deacon, but he also was an evangelist. God had put this on his heart that his job was to actually go and fulfill the Great Commission. He had heard it from the apostles. Remember, they they constantly lived in the apostles' teachings. So watch what happens. This is a man who's full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Think about that. This man is what we would call a Christian, a Christ follower. As we look at God's holy word today, listen to that first sentence. We see God the Spirit working among his people. Let me read it for us, beginning verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. Don't forget that. Verse 28, he was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. And then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before it's sheer, a silent. So he opened not his mouth. In humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And you can go read that in Isaiah 53. this is specifically verses seven and eight, but read all of Isaiah 53, especially if you have a Jewish friend, ask them to read that and ask who they're speaking about. You can't help but understand they're talking about the prophet was talking about Jesus Christ. Verse 34, so the eunuch answered and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning of this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and Eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. And now, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the Eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, which is just north of Gaza, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Listen, God was doing a work. God had a man that was anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit. God had, listen, he's going to give you some notes in just a moment. You're going to see this. God was at work because the man was at work. And listen, if you're looking for change in your life and you're asking, well, God hadn't spoken to me or I wish God would do some of those things in my life. I'm telling you, on the Word of God, on the authority of God's Word, if you actually will submit yourself to Him, first and foremost, you have to have a love relationship with Jesus Christ. You must be His for Him to actually give you instruction. He will not speak to you if you don't have Him as your Lord and Savior. It's no possibility whatsoever. But once you do that, and once you follow through, I'd like this Ethiopian eunuch, once you follow through and actually follow through a believer's baptism after salvation, then and only then, God will start opening up the doors of you and opening up Scripture for you to understand. If you're taking notes, listen to the top seven things I want to notice from this takeaway. And there's a whole lot more, but this is part one of the top seven. Number one, God chose the mission. God wanted to accomplish. You say, well, you should have said he. No, I want to actually make it very clear that God chose the mission. God wanted to accomplish. I want to encourage you to take notes. If you don't have a copy of the notes, raise your hand and some of our guys will bring you one. may want a copy of the notes? Listen, you won't remember this when you leave. Write it down. You only remember just a portion of what... Uh, the scripture says, and what the Lord says today, if you don't write it down, put it in your phone, whatever, because God's going to use this. He doesn't waste messages. I don't waste my breath each Sunday to come up and say, how can I entertain you and make you feel good? We come to the place of the Lord, how can we worship you? And how, we, we didn't think of you at all when we prepared this service today. Did y'all know that? You say, Pastor, that offends me. I don't want to offend you either. But we thought about worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. We thought about what would honor God when we read his word. When we sing songs, what brings glory to his name, not what entertains the crowd and makes people happy. We are here to worship and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you see that, number one, God chose the mission, God wanted accomplished. What was the target? Who was the target? You know? We read it in Scripture. It was the Ethiopian eunuch. That was the target. He was on his way back home from what he thought was worship. The argument is, was the Ethiopian eunuch a Jew? You know, there's many Jewish people now coming from Ethiopia, and they're actually coming back to Israel, and there's a big controversial time. And I believe the Ethiopian eunuch was a Jew from Ethiopia. But he's coming back to the place that he's actually, he went to worship, and he's confused. Number two, I don't you see this. God chose the agent. God wanted to accomplish God's mission. Who was the agent, church? His name was Philip. You got it, right? Fill in the blank. Philip the deacon, Philip the evangelist. There's two different things. He had two different tasks. The deacon was to do what? To serve the church, to be prepared to preach. If you're back a look at 1 Timothy, what, what's the deacon supposed to do? He, he's able to teach and preach. A deacon has all these responsibilities to bring about peace in the church and to minister to the church. A deacon has a huge responsibility. Just in a couple of weeks, we'll be actually be electing deacons. There'll be another administrative meeting to bring the men into the fold. You'll get the names of those men after we get all the forms back. But he also was called Philip the Evangelist, if you keep reading. What's an evangelist to do? Evangel is someone who actually is a messenger, someone who gives out the good news of Jesus Christ. This is someone who is to preach the gospel to the multitudes, to go and reach the lost with the message of Jesus Christ. So Philip was a multitasker, if you will, in the church. He was a peacemaker. He was actually a broker for peace in the church. He was, trying to, he was the one who served the church. And we know, we go back to the beginning, when he was called, he was full of the Holy Spirit. And wisdom. Can that be said of you today that you're full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom? Would your spouse say that? Would your children say that? Would your parents say that? You can be if you submit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, I want you to see this from the Word of God. It's pretty awesome that God gave specific directions to Philip. And I want you to put that down specific directions. Philip Philip obviously was praying, the apostles were praying. God gave specific directions to Philip. And by the way, do you know where Philip is before I give you the rest of the blank? Where is Philip right now? Remember from last week? We had this bad guy called Saul who came into town, started persecuting the church, and the church took off and spread, right, two weeks ago. Philip's still in Samaria. So Jerusalem, if you, I hate to do this with my hands, but Jerusalem is up here, Samaria is here, and Gaza, where he's supposed to go, is here. There's a road connecting from Jerusalem to Gaza that God said, listen, you'll see right here, listen, here's the direction. God gave specific directions to Philip so that Philip could... Here's a big word, look it up, complete, complete God's mission. What was the area? He told him to go to South Desert Road. He said, where do you get that from? Look, Look right there. Look at verse 26. Now the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, arise and go to the what? South, that's where I got south from, along the road which goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is, what does it say? Desert. That's how I got South Desert Road. I just named it so we'd have a street sign. All right? Remember, it goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Where is he supposed to go on that road? Did you find it? He's in Samaria, so he's miles this way. Let's call it New Ellington. And from Aiken to Williston, God said, I want you to go to the road that connects Aiken to Williston. Go. To an angel, he told him to go. Where do I go? Did Philip say, Where do I go? What does the next verse say? So he arose and went. He did exactly what God said to do. Okay, God, you're going to have to show me where to go. And I'll show you the next. Obviously, that road from Jerusalem to Gaza is, you'll see, it's 50 miles long. But I jump ahead. Number four, Philip heard the message from the angel of God. And guess what he did? He obeyed the word from God. He said, Well, that's simplistic. It is. But what's your problem? What's my problem? Is it our problem that we hear the word of God? Does God clearly speak through his word, yes or no? Does God speak specifically through his word, yes or no? Then what's our problem? Have you got into a disobedience, a sin of disobedience, where God said to do something, go somewhere, call someone, share the gospel with them, and yet we say, but God, I'm not a teacher. God, I'm not prepared. God, I don't know that I can. Have you ever been there and done that? Confess that sin before a holy God. Because if we believe this is God's holy word, and we'll get into some other things when we believe about God, this is true for our doctrine that we believe. Doctrine is simply teaching. If we believe this, then we'll act accordingly. Philip heard it, number four, from the message of the angel of God and obeyed the word from God. Obedience is a key factor. God himself said he'd rather have obedience from his people than sacrifice in the Old Testament. Obedience is greater than sacrifice before God. Number five, Philip was open to the Holy Spirit's leading. That's the sermon title today, by the way, Open for the Spirit's leading. He was open. What made him open to the Spirit's leading? You know the answer, right? He'd given his heart and life to Jesus Christ not too long ago. He grew up in a Jewish tradition. He'd come into places. He actually knew about the Messiah, and now he knows the Messiah in a personal way. Philip was open to the Holy Spirit's leading, but number six is important. Philip was actively seeking where God was at work on South Desert Road. And I told you that, South Desert Road stretched 50 miles. Could you imagine if God says, Go to Whiskey Road and do my work through an angel? And you're like, Okay. And you walk out on Whiskey Road. Where did he tell him specifically to go? The road going from Jerusalem to Gaza. He gave him a direction. So which way is he heading? As he intersects the road, because he's got to come into an intersection. Philip has to come from Samaria, and he's going to intersect South Desert Road somewhere on that 50-mile journey. Does that seem like an impossibility to find the one person that God wants him to speak to on that journey back, back from that road? That's where the trade route was. There would be bandits on this road. There would be bad guys galore, thieves. And he's coming from Samaria where pagan worship is, is just powerful, but many people have been saved. So Philip starts the journey from coming from this town to on a road that God said go from the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, and he's going to intersect somewhere on that road. While you're on that road, listen, you're going to fulfill the mission. So what does he do? Philip starts walking which way? South. (laughs) He starts packing it in, going south. Where's he going? The answer is, all we know, he's going south, obeying God. God said go to that road, go south. It goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. How about Abraham? Think back in the Old Testament. Where was Abraham going when he first got called by God? When he was called Abram? God said, I'm going to take you to a land that I'll show you. Well, where are we going? Get up and go. What did Abraham do? He got up and went, right? Philip's told to go south. Go to that road. Where? On what? what do I stop at the stop sign? Or do I stop at a, this, you know, there's a village along the way. Where do I go? It wasn't any of that. He just got up and went. He got up and started walking south. Is that a walk of faith? Yes or no? Has God called us to a walk of faith? Don't you think you like to know all the details before you actually make a decision? Are you that person? I've got to know everything before I make a decision. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Pastor, would you pray for me? I've had the staff reading, dealing with school and everything else with the church. Proverbs chapter eight says, wisdom stands on the hill at the road where it meets, at the fork of the road. You ever been there? Do I take this way or do I take this way? And if you read Proverbs chapter 8, it says wisdom is standing there saying, I'm going to show you the way. But how many of us are brickheads and won't listen to wisdom? You've got a capital brickhead here I'm going, but Lord, you got to do this, and you got to do it um, yesterday. You ever been that way? I wish I was more like Philip, where Philip just says, okay, he got up and went. God said go, he got up and went. Who's he going to look for? If he wouldn't have any more scripture, who's he looking for? He doesn't know. We didn't know until God reveals it to us. That's what he does. He reveals to Philip. Well, how does he reveal it to him? How does Philip know? All the different travelers are going. And by the way, what would happen if you came up on a caravan of another country in, in this country, transition? If you came upon a caravan in that time or this time and you ran up on one of their officials, what would happen? You would end up with a spear in your heart at this time, right? So God has to even do the protection of Philip. Watch what happens. It's, it's an awesome transition. Number seven, Philip was prepared to do whatever God commanded. He was ready, willing, and able. Verse 27 is probably the best scripture of, of uh, best witness for Philip. So he arose and he went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of Ethiopia, the Ethiopians, who had charge her all of her treasure and, uh, treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. That's why I think he was a Jewish Ethiopian. He was returning and sitting in his chariot and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. He obviously was reading out loud. We come to the place. Still, Philip don't know what he's doing. Verse 29, this is the only way that Philip knows what to do. Look at verse 29 for yourself. This is the only way that Philip knows what to do. Philip's where is he headed? South. He's headed to Gaza. He's just walking. He sees that caravan. He doesn't know anything about the Kesson Egyptian caravan. They're not Jewish like me, so I'm going to come to the place. I'm not a Jewish bunch of people, so obviously I'm not... Preaching to them. They're not Samaritans because I just left there. He sees caravans. He sees the bad guys. He probably sees the, the traitors passing by, and he's just walking. Verse 29 is very key that we get into our hearts. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. The Spirit of God told him, right? An angel of God was a ministering spirit, by the way. You know that's what angels are. The angel said, get up and go. And Philip got up and went. And as he was going, the Spirit says, okay, listen, you see that chariot. And the answer was... I see the chariot. Because if you're in charge of the treasury of all of Egypt, what would you actually have? You'd have many, many bodyguards around it, right? How do we actually protect our riches if we travel? There's bodyguards, right? There's people that actually would actually defend it. So God tells him in twenty nine, go up. And so he goes up, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And then he asked the question, this is a beautiful question of, of searching. How can I, unless someone guides me? And that is such a truth for your friends and for your family today. They cannot know about Jesus Christ. He draws them to himself, but he needs you to be the spokesperson to understand, one, you need to prepare like Philip did, because Philip knew the scripture. Philip knew Isaiah 53. And the Holy Spirit was leading him, even in the words that he actually said. Philip spoke to this man in a way that he would understand because the Spirit led him. Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he you read, you, I read it there. He was led like a sheep to slaughter. This was Isaiah 53. And you should go back and read that whole passage of yourself. And so the eunuch says this in verse 34. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? Listen, our friends and family are asking that same question of us today. Is Jesus really the Messiah? Is Jesus really the only way? Now, they might ask it a different way. They might be asking it in a negative sense. I don't believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. I believe there's multiple ways to heaven. They might, your professor might say that. Your teacher might say that. Your coworkers might say that. They might believe there's spacecraft going to come down and take you away. I don't believe that Jesus is the only way. What must we do as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? If we're open to the Spirit leading, will the Spirit ever give us words to divide us from God's Word? Would He ever lead us to actually maybe go out and start cursing and drinking and hanging out with those people just so we can actually become friends with them and then turn back around and and share the gospel with them? God forbid. Hypocrite 101. Would you agree? God calls us to stand in the gap for people, people that are far from God. We stand in the gap and actually take these people by the hand, and say, God, lead me by my hand, and let's come to the place that we actually meet. That's what he's done in this place with the Ethiopian. That's what Philip's done. Philip, all of a sudden, comes to the place, and we won't get much further than this, but I want you to see, he did exactly, verse 35 is probably the best, second best verse in all this. God said, go, Philip got up and went. Verse 35 says the Ethiopian asked questions of a believer in Jesus Christ. And then it says, what happened to Philip? Look what he did, verse 35. It's probably the second best passage. Then Philip did what? Church, he opened his mouth. He opened his mouth. You must open your mouth if you're going to lead someone to Jesus Christ. You can't say, well, I'll just be a friend and they'll just see my nice ways and and they'll become a Christian because of my nice ways. They will not see your ways. They'll see your worst ways and your best ways and make a judgment call. But when they hear you speak of Jesus Christ, when you live that life of Jesus Christ, when you open your mouth and speak that he is the only way, right? He is the only truth. He's the only life. There is no way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. When you speak the truth, it offends people, it comforts people. It draws people close to God. It pushes them away sometimes because it makes them angry. You ever been there? Did anybody ever tell you before you became a Christian that you were going to hell? You were, by the way. And if you're not a Christian, you're going to hell, just for the record. Unless you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. This is why preachers are supposed to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. Our job, Paul says this, it's like foolishness to preach, to stand up here and have somebody just raise their voice and yell at a high a tone listen, Jesus Christ is the only way. It's the foolishness of preaching. But listen, salvation comes that way. It'd be much better if we said, hey, listen, I just want to share something with you today. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Have a good day. God bless you. That's a good, that makes me feel good. God does love you, by the way, but God is going to hold you accountable. And God says you can't love him and you can't know him until you actually receive his son, Jesus Christ, for the salvation of the blood that was shed for, on the cross. You cannot be saved. You can't be his. You can't be in right relationship with God until you receive his son, Jesus Christ. And when you receive him, he says he gives you full author, listen full rights. He just rolls out the red carpet for you to be called his children, his sons and his daughters. What an amazing thing to think about. Holy God did that for you, and he did that for me. Well, here's the application in our lives, and we'll finish up on this week. Listen, you must purposely ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord. This is his plan. This is his way. And if you'll read those scriptures, listen, even after church, if you go back and say, God, I don't truly understand this, pray and ask him to show you the way, and he'll show you truth. Listen. John three sixteen. you follow through those scriptures. What does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. We got into a discussion this week that people say, oh, I believe I can lose my salvation if I do enough bad things. Then Jesus would have to die on a cross again for you. And do you think God took the most precious thing that he had to offer himself and gave it as a sacrifice so that you might decide that you may or may not be saved? God forbid God's come to the place that you can know, that you know, that you know. If you read 1 John, he says, these are written that you may know that you have eternal life. And how do you have eternal life? In and through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Bible says in Romans three twenty three, listen, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no one without sin. If your mother gave birth to you, you're a sinner. Romans six twenty three says, the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in and through Christ Jesus, our Lord. There is but one way to be saved. And then finally, listen, you go back to that the passage 9 through 13 in Romans 10. He tells us very clearly how we actually do this. That's where we come asking Jesus into our heart. We come to the place, the final verse of verse 13 is this Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, what's going to happen? They shall be saved. They shall be saved. Will you ever have a doubt? Of course. If you come to the place and has God, am I really saved? As you mature, your doubt should go away as you mature in Christ. But there's days you might have a doubt. But listen, you can come back to the scripture, but God's word says, your word says, Lord, it's forever, it's eternal life. I have it because I received Jesus Christ. Let me fill in the blanks for you. Listen, this is us for application. God still chooses the people for his missions. God still chooses the people for his missions. My brother, my sister, listen, you're a chosen vessel this morning. If you're a Christian, you're a chosen vessel for God's mission. Will you be obedient like Philip and do the mission? If God says get up and go, will you get up and go? Some of you have moved here because God said get up and come here. But he's told us to go and make disciples of all the nations. In good times and the bad, that's our responsibility. So God still chooses the people for his missions. But here's the flip side of that. God still chooses the missions for his people, right? It's the opposite. He chooses the people for the mission and chooses the mission for the people. He has an assignment for you. You have a sphere of influence I don't have. And you might encounter someone from another country riding in a chariot going on South Desert Road. I don't know. But you have a responsibility to be a faithful witness of Jesus Christ wherever he sends you. Come to the place, look at this. This is pretty awesome. God still speaks specifically to his people if if his people will take time to listen. In our busy schedules, I think God sent us COVID-19. By the way, I am thankful that God sent COVID-19 our way. It's been a blessing from God, COVID-19 has. Yes, there's been a lot of lost lives. So has there been through heart attacks and cancer and other stuff, abortion. Listen, but I'm thankful for COVID-19. It has called God's people out to show our true colors. People, you know where people are if they're running toward God or if they're running away from God. COVID-19 has exposed the world to see who follows Christ and who does not. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that God sent. You say, well, how can you say that? that's so disgusting? I hate the disease and I hate what it's done but it's showing the true colors of God's people. People are loving. Listen, people are actually putting their lives at risk. How many doctors and nurses do you know that daily go in and sacrifice, knowing they might get this disease and knowing they might die, all the military, everyone going in, it's showing sacrificial love. It's showing, obviously, fear. There's all kinds of crazy things that's coming out of it, but I'm just telling you, I think it's a blessing from God. We see his love and we see the people who follow him and those who run from him. God still speaks specifically to His people if we people take time to listen. COVID nineteen has given us time to listen, hasn't it? We've been at home, I've been locked down, in quarantine. Have you been listening with your family? Have you been listening to the Word of God? Have you been asking God, God, how are you going to use this awful pandemic to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? People, when they're at their worst, is when they're ready to hear. When they're at their broken moment, that's when they're ready to hear the gospel. You might be ready. Be prepared to go. If you have an obedience problem, you have a love problem. That's from Henry Blackaby. If you have an obedience problem to go where God says to go, to a people maybe you don't like or somewhere you might don't want to go, you have a love problem with God. God wants us to actively see where he is at work and do what? Join him. God is love. He will, his will is always best. His will is always best. Last two things. God is all-knowing. His directions are always perfect. And God is all-powerful. He will enable us to do His will, His way. Please remember this. If God calls you, some of you think you're going to do it your way. Well, I've trained this way, I was, I was taught this way, so therefore that's how I'm going to do it. Brothers and sisters, let me, let, me, let me give you some words of wisdom today. You need to lay yourself before God and say, God, how do you want me to do it? He could use your training, He could use your background, He'll use everything you've ever experienced but you better come to the place, when you come to the place to experience him and do what he wants to do, that you say, God, how do you want me to do it? How do we do this? Because I don't fully understand. And that's where we are today. Let's come to that place in our lives as a Christian. You've been called by God, if you're a Christian today. And God's called you to be on mission with him. My question is simply this, what the sermon is, are you open to the Spirit's leading? We used to sing a song when I was a kid. Wherever he leads, what? I'll I'll go, Right? Follow my Christ, who loves me so, wherever he leads, I'll go. Now, how many of you said that to God, sung it to God, and meant it? Don't raise your hand. Many of us have made commitments to God via song or via scripture, and we didn't mean it. I challenge you to listen, we're going to come to the place that we actually pray and ask God, God, what do you want us to do? And listen, we've been around for 160 years. You think God's through with Town Creek Baptist Church yet? I don't think so till the time is near. Listen, there's been people that told me when I first got here, "Hey, just want to let you know, Town Creek Baptist Church will be dead before you turn whatever age." I was told in Chick Fil A that before I die, this older person said, "Before I die, that church will be dead. They'll close the doors and there'll be some kind of shopping center or something over there." That person is dead, by the way, and Town Creek's still alive. You know why? Because this is God's church. This is God's plan. Have we made mistakes in the past? Absolutely. Will we make mistakes in the future? Absolutely. But I want you to know something. 250 uh, two fifty Creek Road is the gathering of God's people. I truly, I truly believe that. And he has stuff, greater things for us to do. We have a city to reach. We have a county to reach. We have a state to reach. We have a nation to reach. We have the world to reach. And each of us doing our part. Each of us doing our calling, fulfilling our mission, is how we're going to fulfill the mission of God. His people, His mission. His mission, His people. Do you understand? Are you open and willing? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. We have responsibilities that we know that only can be fulfilled if you empower us to do the work. You've called us. You've shown us clearly in your word that you work time and time again in the miraculous ways. The difficult things you've called us to do, Lord, you called all your people to do, so that you can actually shine and show your Providence, Father, you're in charge of everything, and you're all knowing. Help us in our weak moments. Help us in our shallow times. Help us, Lord, when we disobey you, that we might quickly confess that sin and get right with you. Thank you for your love, Father. Thank you for your care, and we do pray today as you minister to to Scott and the Mary Beth and family, and all the all the family, Scott's family, and all the folks that are been affected by so much different diseases and COVID-19. But Father, we pray that you would have your will in your way, that Jesus Christ would be honored through every situation, through all of our lives. But Father, I pray today we'd bring about a strong conviction that we would be the people of God on mission with God, that we might fulfill the mission of God as the people of God. Father, help us to be open to your leading, even if it doesn't make sense and weird and strange. Like Philip, help us to, when you say get up and go, we go, get up and go. We want to serve you. We want to love you. We want to honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.